decide if this has felt like an eternity of a week or if it's gone really fast. I'll tell you one thing that has caused the week to feel longer than a typical work week, and that is the number of videos that Jay has made me record. Oh, my gosh. Actually, I can't really blame it on Jay because that's not fair. I'm actually the one who came up with the idea of doing a different video for every day of the week as we count down to Super Bowl. But you know me. I don't enjoy being on video. I don't. And so it's it, it has felt like a chore. Uh, but I know you all have enjoyed them. And we are just about to, not quite yet, but in the next hour, release our fifth episode of our Super 6 series. How about that? One, two, three, four, five, baby. We're up to number five of our Super 6 series, and this one is Fantastic Finishes. It's a shorter one because it's a Twitter-exclusive video, so we'll be putting it up on our show Twitter after our CBS Uh, And we also think it's funny that some of you have found us on either of our social media sites or on YouTube. I found it. I got it. Here it is. (laughs) So in order to keep it a little bit simpler, but also hopefully to get some of you to cross over and check out our other social media sites, we have posted one video on YouTube. So that was our video that started the week, a Super Bowl edition of Ask Amy Anything. We then went back and forth between Facebook and Twitter. So Facebook has got two videos now. Again, easy to find on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. In fact, the videos are pinned to the top of the Facebook page. So you don't even have to go scrolling down to look for them. Uh, We've given you... The Super Bowl snoozers and then Super Bowl nerd alerts, which might be my favorite one of the week so far. If you guys have not seen the hat that I'm wearing in Super Bowl nerd alerts, this is again on our Facebook video. You really do need to see it to believe it. I'm not sure you can take me seriously, but (laughs) it's a mom special. Mom got me this hat and I love the hat. Uh, It just has to be worn only in special, extra special situations. And so with a different hat for every video, so it's not just a different topic. Your host is wearing a different hat in every video. (laughs) You got to check out the Super Bowl snoozers and then our nerd alerts featuring a 20s flapper hat. That's all I'm going to say. You just got to go check it out. Uh, And then on Twitter, um, either my Twitter, A-Law Radio, or our show Twitter, that's also going to have its second video coming up here momentarily. Um, And we've given you fantastic finishes in our latest ep. So, yeah, it's been fun to do, though it's high stress for me, a lot of pressure. I know pressure is a privilege. I really don't enjoy the videos, but you all are enjoying them, so that's fun. Thank you for finding our YouTube channel and subscribing to it and liking our video. That makes Jay happy. Our very last one. So this is coming up on Friday. We'll release on Saturday, but we're going to record it on Friday because we needed props. The props are snacks. It's our very last ep of the Super 6 series. Super six, super snacks, baby, because there is no such thing as a Super Bowl party without snacks. Really, there's no such thing as a Super Bowl without snacks. I'm not telling you what, I don't know if I'd call it a snack. Uh, It's going to end up being my main dish, one of my main dishes, but it is a party food 
I take it to parties sometimes when people ask me to bring a dish. It's in the crock pot. No, it's not the buffalo chicken wing dip, although buffalo chicken dip. Although that's one of my favorites, and I thought about making that. Instead, uh, it's an old recipe from my mom that I love, and I haven't trotted out in a while, but you're going to have to wait. It's got a definite Polish flair to it. You're going to have to wait until our very last Super 6 episode. Super 6, Super Snacks, baby. Uh, and, And so the reason we have to do it from home is because I've got my snacks at home. I didn't bring them all with me. So uh, we would like to know from you your favorite Super Bowl super snacks, Super Bowl party super snacks. Uh, We're going to put a post up on both Twitter and Facebook. And again, while you're there, check out our latest videos plus on our YouTube channel. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio in the wake of the NFL Honors, which takes place in now a special ceremony on Thursday night. And it also includes the reveal of the new Hall of Fame class. So congratulations to the 2023 Hall of Famers. A definite lean toward the defense. (laughs) What have I said a bunch this year? And we've, well, not just this year. We've heard it over the past several years, even from those guys who play on the offensive side of the ball. Quarterbacks will tell you that now the rules, the shift in the game does not create a level playing field between offense and defense. Now, keep in mind, these Hall of Famers have been out at least five years, at least. But more and more, we're seeing the shift toward offense, but not in this Hall of Fame class. Decidedly defensive. Two of the best cornerbacks in NFL history. One of the best pass rushers slash quarterback sackers. Super sackers. (laughs) And then also a linebacker whose name you will remember. All right, so here are your Hall of Famers for 2023. Cornerbacks Rondé Barber and Darrell Rivas. Remember Rivas Island? Outside linebacker Demarcus Ware, who was a longtime Dallas Cowboy, but was part of Super Bowl 50 with the Denver Broncos. He also retired on a high note. It wasn't just Peyton Manning who walked away after that Super Bowl win in Santa Clara. And then linebacker Zach Thomas plus Joe Thomas. No surprise. 10-time Pro Bowler. 10,363 consecutive snaps on the Browns offensive line. They're only allowed to induct five guys per year. Four of them this year are from the defensive side of the ball, and it's actually the first time since the AFL and NFL merger in 1970 that four of the five are defensive players. You know what that is. Nerd alert. Sure is. Congratulations to the Hall of Famers. And there are others. Coach Don Coriel, defensive tackle, really a defensive lineman. He played multiple positions. Joe Klecko, linebacker Chuck Howley, and then cornerback Ken Riley. 
Don, Chuck, Joe, and Ken are part of, well, there's a couple of different committees that can put guys in. So the seniors committee and then the coach contributor committee. But all very much Hall of Famers. The guys that go back the farthest, that would be Chuck, who was a linebacker with the Bears and the Cowboys in the late 50s, all the way through the 60s and into the 70s. How about that? And then Ken Riley from the late 60s through the early 80s. Considering the different way that the game was played then, how much more physical it was, that's an incredible tenure. So congratulations to the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2023. As a side note, right after the Hall of Fame class was announced, I had the chance to talk to J.C. Treader, who was a former Joe Thomas teammate in Cleveland. Five years he spent as a center with the Browns, coming off his first year of retirement, but still serving as the NFL Players Association president. I've wanted to talk to J.C. for several years, Really excited we were finally able to connect with him just a couple hours ago. J.C. Treader at the top of the hour, and we'll get his reaction to his teammate in Cleveland, Joe Thomas, becoming a first ballot Hall of Famer, part of the class of 2023. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. All of the glitz and the glam for the NFL honors. Living up to, I think, the hype and the buzz, the excitement around it. A mix of celebrities, Kelly Clarkson even hosting the show. It's really funny. I saw some comments from her in which she said she wasn't even going to do it initially because she knows nothing about ball. (laughs) But she was great. She came out in an all-Dallas Cowboys dress. It was Well, it was uh, obviously created specifically for her, uh, but it had a bunch of Dallas Cowboys paraphernalia and numbers and logos all over it. Uh, And so she had some choice words for the Eagles. Uh, And she was out there singing. She was out there dancing and and goofing off and had, uh, I think, uh, some really good personality, a good jolt of energy to the NFL honors. But ultimately, they're about recognizing the best of the best for the year. And no surprise, Patrick Mahomes wins his second NFL MVP award. I want to thank God for giving me this platform and putting so many amazing people around me to help support this dream I've had since I was a little kid. Without him, none of this would even be possible. To my wife, Brittany, my baby girl, Sterling, and my son, Bronze, this crazy life that we are living means nothing without y'all, keeping me balanced and making me appreciate every single day. No matter how I feel coming home, y'all bring me joy and make me appreciate the time that I get to spend with y'all. Thank you for always being there for me through my good times and my bad. Love y'all. To my family, my mom, my dad, my brother and sister, thank you for supporting me every day and telling me since I was a little kid to follow my dreams. To the Chiefs organization, Clark Hunt, Brett Veach, Andy Reid, the staff, and most of all, my teammates. I would never be standing here today without y'all. Every day, given everything that we have together to go for the ultimate goal, the Super Bowl. 
Let's continue to go for that dream this weekend. Patrick Mahomes in a recorded message, although he was dressed up, he was dressed in the nines, had his red tie on, uh, because the guys who are playing in the Super Bowl aren't expected to be there and are still in preparations and curfew and all that jazz. So 48 of the 50 first place votes go to Patrick. The other two were split up between Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen. Hurts ended up second, Josh was third, and then Joe Burrow was fourth. So remember, we saw the five finalists and Justin Jefferson was the only non-quarterback. And he said he was just happy to be part of the group. Well, he didn't end up getting really any significant votes for MVP. However, he was named the Offensive Player of the Year. 128 catches, 1,809 yards, and eight touchdowns with the Vikings. First and foremost, I got to thank the man upstairs. Uh, Without him, none of this would be possible. The amount of blessings that he's been giving me this, this, my whole career has been amazing. Uh, secondly, I got to thank my parents, John, Elaine Jefferson. Uh, y'all made me to the man I am today. I appreciate y'all so much. Uh, my brothers, Jordan and Ricky, I mean, y'all made me to who I am. Uh, y'all was so hard on me. All the countless times I cried at home. Y'all was the reason that I'm tough because of y'all. I appreciate y'all. More to come. More to come. Never, ever, ever tell me that real men don't cry or there's no crying in football. There's definitely crying in football and all other sports. So, yes, congratulations to Justin Jefferson. And then Defensive Player of the Year, Nick Bosa, who also got emotional. The San Francisco defensive end tops in the league with 18 and a half sacks this year. A lot more nervous than I thought. <laughs> um, Mom, Dad, Joey, I love you more than anybody. Uh, you're the reason I wake up every morning. Um, I love you. Thanks for always being there for me. Uh, to the 49ers organization from the Yorks and the DeBartolos down, thank you so much for doing stuff the right way and believing in me. To the number one defense in the league, shout out. Uh, all my guys, you make my job a lot easier. It's a team sport. I just do my job. Um, if I've learned one thing in life to, up to this point, uh, whatever end goal you have in mind, it's going to be, it's not going to be a smooth path. There's going to be times where you're questioning yourself. Um, but if you stay the course and you believe in yourself, take it one day at a time, there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. Congratulations to all of the award winners. Uh, those are some of the top names. The Jets, by the way, sweep the Offensive and Defense Rookie of the Year awards, which has only happened three times in NFL history. Sauce Gardner was picked fourth overall last year, and he led the league with 20 pass breakups. And then Garrett Wilson, who's been very popular on Radio Row this week, he was the number 10 pick. So how about that? The Jets uh, with a new with Joe Douglas uh, in charge with a new kind of brain trust over their picks. Uh, he they end up with the fourth pick and the tenth pick, and they have two guys who really change the organization and show the potential for the future. Uh, and so Garrett Wilson, who was tenth overall, he led all NFL rookies in receiving yards, uh, eleven hundred of them. Uh, and Zach Wilson, as we know, uh, he is. In, oh, sorry. Not Zach, Garrett, thank you. Garrett Wilson, as we know, is uh, talking about their quarterback situation. (laughs) Poor guy, I've actually felt bad for him because he's been uh, on the hot seat answering these questions. Um, But for 
for the Jets, it speaks well. If they can find the right quarterback fit, if they can make sure there's continuity with their staff and their coaching, right, their coaching staff being really important, but if they can find the right fit and they can establish that communication, that consistency, we know that they've brought in some really good young players that are a building block and a foundation for the future. Here's Garrett Wilson on the Jets winning both awards. It just means that the uh, the brighter days are ahead of us, you know, as an organization. Um, you know, me and Sauce being young dudes, we're so happy to be here and, and happy to represent the organization and the Jets. And, um, you know, we feel like our best football is ahead of us. Congratulations to the Jets. Uh, it's neat. I mean, you'd rather be in the playoffs, of course, but <laughs> and you'd rather have a quarterback, really. Uh, but still, pretty amazing. I love, love, love that we saw... Oh, before we leave the New York Metro, the Giants head coach, Brian Dayball, his first year with the Giants. Uh, they're a bit of a revelation around the NFL. They go into making their division the NFC beast as opposed to the NFC least. Uh, and they end up getting in as the as the uh, wild card, one of the wild cards there in the NFC. Uh, and really, we saw the potential with Daniel Jones, too. But I think one of my favorite awards that maybe isn't one of the glitziest or one of the top awards that you would see get the billing, get the marquee, Geno Smith, Comeback Player of the Year. And I know we talked about this because I remember Marco and I, Marco Belletti and I, were talking about whether or not the Comeback Player of the Year should be a guy who was injured the year before and comes back and survives a really devastating injury, one that could have been career-ending or at least took him off the field for a long stretch of time. But instead, the award for Comeback Player of the Year goes to Gino, Full-time starting job. For the first time since 2014. And not only did the Seahawks make the playoffs again as a wild card. But he actually finished the season. Validating what the Seahawks and what Pete Carroll saw in him. The faith that they had in him. And he wanted to do that. He wanted to reward the team for believing in him. So career-high passing yards, more than 4,200 of them. 30 touchdown passes, also a career-high. And he was actually top seven in the league in QB rating. And so this is in the wake of the Russell Wilson trade. So many Wilsons tonight. The wake of the Russell Wilson trade, Geno takes over. And it was a winning season, and it was a wild card berth. And again... The, the motivation he had was to make sure that he rewarded the faith that the organization and Pete Carroll had in him. Uh, and I think once again, shows us the brilliance of Pete Carroll as a coach. I mean, there's no way you can take away from that. A couple of other awards that are for off the field contributions uh, more than they are on the field. The Walter Payton man of the year award. Uh, and then very emotional presentation For the medical teams, the first responders, the doctors that saved the life of DeMar Hamlin. Uh, If you haven't seen these videos, I actually shared one of them on my social, A-Law Radio. It's awesome that on this night, and I think for the last six weeks or so, we've seen the league with its priorities in the right place. And that matters to me. There's been a bit of a shift. Uh, and so that that's important, I think, for a lot of fans who believe the NFL is just 
out for the money grab. And, and yes, of course, the NFL wants to make money and increase its revenue. But we've seen the human side of the NFL. It's made up by people, by hearts, by minds uh, that very often are out there with the most unbelievable pressure in the spotlight. It's tough. It's physical. It's violent. And yet we saw the softness. We saw the heart. And that was highlighted with DeMar on Thursday night. So find us on Twitter, After Hours CBS. Uh, We've got a brand new question up. And this is all about the party people. You party people. What are your favorite Super Bowl party snacks? Uh, Look forward to hearing from you there as well as on our Facebook page. Final show of the week. As long as there's food. As long as there's food. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Well, I'm so thankful to everybody. I know that it isn't enough just to be thankful. This is just the beginning of the impact that I wanted to have on the world. And with God's guidance, I will continue to do wonderful and great things. I couldn't do this without any of the support and the love. And I can't wait to continue to take y'all on this journey with me. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. DeMar Hamlin's journey continues to Arizona where he received the Allen Page Community Award from the NFL Players Association. We heard a speech from him on Wednesday night where he was standing in front of his parents and was just thanking again the people who helped him to get to where he's able to stand on stage and represent not just his family, but the league, of course, the Buffalo Bills, and be talking about the future. Wouldn't you know, he had a chance to stand on a different stage Thursday night in front of yet another group of people who are instrumental in his being alive, in his looking so healthy, in his ability to navigate Super Bowl week and to be part of this fraternity again. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Final show of the work week. Uh, We're looking to get your suggestions. I kind of think they're suggestions. Favorite Super Bowl party snacks, you party people. Uh, So find us on Twitter, A-Law Radio, or our show Twitter. That's also where you can find uh, multiple episodes of our Super 6 video series this week. And then in addition to that, our Facebook page too. And our phone number, 855-212-4227. On Thursday night at the NFL Honors, DeMar Hamlin took the stage and gave another speech, I guess you could call it, more inspirational really than speechy. But he was standing in front of a large group of doctors, nurses, medical teams, first responders, those who not only saved his life on the field in Cincinnati on January 2nd, but were also in charge of his care when he got to the hospital, the UC Medical Center. And then when he got home to Buffalo, he was in the hospital again for a couple days. Very emotional, and they, of course, get a standing ovation, as did DeMar Hamlin when he was introduced to a crowd that included his peers, to be sure, lots of celebrities. Everybody knows who he is now, and that's 
part of the way that his situation, his cardiac arrest on national TV, but also the the outpouring of love and support, the $9 million raised for his Chasing M's Foundation. Uh, he's now become a household name, and he wants to use that. So another inspirational moment with Damar. First, I would like to just thank God for even being here. Every day, I am amazed that my experiences could encourage so many others across the country and even across the world. Encourage to pray, encourage to spread love, and encourage to keep fighting no matter the circumstances. Sudden cardiac arrest was nothing I would have ever chosen to be a part of my story, but that's because sometimes our own visions are too small even when we think we are seeing the bigger picture. My vision was about playing in the NFL and being the best player that I could be. But God's plan was to have a purpose greater than any game in this world. My entire life, I felt like God was using me to give others hope. And now with a new set of circumstances, I can only say he's doing what he's always done. I have a long journey ahead a journey full of unknowns and a journey full of milestones, but it's a lot easier to face your fears when you know your purpose. My third night awake in the hospital, I met an ICU doctor. His name was Yusuf. He told me he had a similar experience. He, t he showed me he was okay, and that meant so much to me. There was, so, there was so much uncertainty at the time, and just him coming to me, showing that I could live a normal life again, it meant so much to me in the moment. So I want to give a big thank you to him and a special thank you to everyone on this stage for everything they did for me. And thank you everyone around the country and around the world who prayed for me and hoped for me. The journey will continue. Considering what happened in the wake of his cardiac arrest, uh, we heard it from the Bills. We heard it from the Bengals. We saw it on the field. But even talking to Matt Overton from the Dallas Cowboys on our last show and him talking about the the sober locker room, the sober meetings in the wake of DeMar collapsing on the field and how they were praying for him in Dallas, that was happening in locker rooms all over the country caring more about DeMar and his health than about practice or prep or playing a game. And yet again, you can hear it there with the NFL honors and DeMar, a different role than one he anticipated to be sure. And yet he's still an inspirational light. And, and to see his peers cheer for him, support him once again on stage, they don't have to do that anymore, right? He's fine. And yes, I'm being a little snarky about it, but it would be easy for them to adopt that attitude. Oh, he's good now. He's fine. Look at him. He's accepting awards and okay, we can move on. And yet he represents so much more. We saw a different NFL in those days, a softer side of the NFL, a human side of the NFL. Away from the violent game or because of the violence of the game, the heart and the soul of the players who make up the league. 
Really neat to see him out and about and hear him talk. He is an incredibly mature and inspiring young man, just 24 years old. A lot on his shoulders now, but he's prepared to handle it and has a great family and support with him. So if you haven't seen the video, and I would encourage you to check out the video, just even though you just heard what he had to say, you want to hear it again to be sure. But just because there is a large group of doctors and medical workers and first responders behind him on the stage. So it's pretty awesome. They were the ones who saved his life. They're obviously heroes. And there are many heroes among us who do the same thing on a regular basis, day in, day out, without this type of recognition. But I'm glad the profession itself uh, is getting honored and is and is being recognized. One quote that jumps out from his two-minute speech. It's a lot easier to face your fears when you know your purpose. I love that. So you can find that video up on my Twitter, A Law Radio. And we'll hear more. Dak Prescott winning the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. So lots of football still to come. J.C. Treader, NFLPA president at the top of the hour in the wake of his former teammate Joe Thomas being inducted into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot, of course, the 10-time uh, pro bowler, 10-time stalwart. I mean, he was... He was the guy you could count on at what is a very tough physical position, Uh, 10,363 snaps. But that'll land you consecutively, but that'll land you in the Hall of Fame. I'm going to pivot a little bit because in the wake of the NBA's trade deadline, we also had a couple of games. We had a lot of people speaking out. Monty Williams now has a Kevin Durant on his team, Sean Marks. Bids farewell to both KD and Kyrie. So a little bit of hoops to wrap up what has been a tumultuous week, a week in which the NBA attempted to hijack the NFL's spotlight. (laughs) It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, your Super Bowl Super Snacks party people. Uh, Let us know what they are on both Twitter and our Facebook page. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. By O'Neal, did what he's got it now. Did what he middle of the pack. Gibbs left. Finney Smith going to the rim. A slam with a right hand and a foul is called. Dorian Finney Smith, welcome to Brooklyn. Out of the right play by Kobe White. Crossover, two to shoot. Launches a three. Good. Half the shot clock buzzer for Spencer Dinwiddie. He's got 25. Nets by 12. The crowd here at Barkley Center rising to cheer the Nets as they will dribble out the clock in the first game post-trade deadline with Durant and Irving moving on the new Nets defeat the Bulls this is After Hours with Amy Lawrence Brooklyn is back to business but as a side note for the Chicago Bulls do you know they were one of only two teams in the NBA not to make a move Before the trade deadline, 28 of 30 teams made some type of move, whether it was for salary dump, whether it was to uh, bring in some draft picks and trade away expiring contracts, whether it was really to legitimately try to get better. 
the the Brooklyn Nets, they were forced into this, I think, when Kyrie Irving did not want the extension they offered, then the trade request, then they flip him, uh, and they send him to Dallas, only to, of course, we knew this was going to happen, not even 48 hours know that Kevin Durant wanted out, and this time they obliged, and the Phoenix Suns gave them a haul. Does that mean the three and a half years with KD and Kyrie were not worth it because they didn't win a championship, because they didn't get out of it what they wanted, what they hoped? Sean Marks had to answer those questions as the GM who was behind all these moves. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. We're asking you on social, your Super Bowl Super Snacks, baby. Uh, And I love how some of you are saying chips and salsa, and that's so boring. Nah, I mean, it depends on the kind of chips and maybe the kind of salsa, but that is definitely a staple. We could have said that. We could have said Super Bowl Super Staples, Super Bowl Staples and Snacks. Oh, don't get me started with the Super Bowl alliteration. So please answer. Please weigh in as we get set for Super Bowl weekend. A-Law Radio on Twitter and then on our Facebook page. The do, the, do, <laughs> I meant to say the new, it didn't come out right. The new guys who the, the, the Nets traded for both started on Thursday night and played 35 plus minutes. It's a return for Spencer Dinwiddie and he showed the way 25 points, six assists, four steals in that victory over Chicago. And then Dorian Finney-Smith, nine points and nine rebounds. Uh, and so the Nets are off to a 1-0 start post-KD and Kyrie. Chris Carino with the call on Nets radio. But yes, still post-mortem, still delivering the eulogy on the <clears throat> era that was. I think it would be easy to look in from the outside. And, you know, honestly, I look at it from internally and say, wow, it didn't work. Like, let's, let's be honest there. Um, you know, we did not reach the full potential of, of where we thought uh, we could get to our, our hopes and, and honestly beliefs that, but but again, you know, I, I look back and we've done a, a lot of thinking and you know soul searching on this and we say, well, you know, we did everything we possibly could, you know, to maximize this organization's potential, you know, to to have ourselves in the conversation for a championship. Okay, the conversation, yes, truly being a contender. Well, not if those guys are never on the court together. And you include the James Harden. They didn't even play 20 games as a trio. Kyrie and KD didn't even play 75 games together. Now, I understand there's no way Sean Marks could have anticipated that, though they certainly knew the first year that they weren't going to get KD. Injuries played a major role. So did Kyrie's choices. It wasn't just injuries. Kyrie went AWOL a couple times. And while I support his right to choose, and I certainly think the NBA and and many of the COVID protocols for these leagues were, were out of control, that was his choice. And so he was away from the team for part of that season as well. There's no way Sean Marks could have known. At the same time, I feel like they bent over too far backward to try to make it work when it really created this this imbalance between the stars and the team concept. 
giving the stars what they want, but still taking care of the team. And certainly if you're Sean Marks, there's a lot of regrets. You just got to process that. Last night I was sad. You know, I mean, I think you, you know, you do everything you possibly can in order to put together, you know, a team that can, can, you can be proud of and say, hey, we're, we can be in that championship conversation, you know, and for the last couple of years, we have we have been a team that you could have said, hey, look, you know, if things go right, health, whatever, whatever it may be, the team gels, consistency, continuity on the court, they have a chance to win a championship, you know, purely from talent. Um, you know, you know, there's there's an excitement about, you know, how we go about building this, you know, in, in the future and, and, and with, with what we have, you know, and there's an excitement about seeing how, you know, Jacques is going to coach these new guys. The, the, so there's, there's a lot of emotions that, you know, that, are, uh, that are running through. I think a lot of people say, it's, if I'm going to be brutally honest. So that's the general manager, Sean Marks, of the Brooklyn Nets in the, wakes of, the wake of these two trades that, once again, turned their franchise upside down. Though I will give him credit, they got a great haul in return. You put it all together much better than they would have gotten last year, or I should say in the offseason. So not quite 12 months ago. I guess it was eight, nine months ago uh, when KD asked for the trade the first time and when Kyrie, before he opted in, he wanted out and the team did not pull the trigger on either one of those deals. They waited and they got five first-round draft picks, some other ancillary picks, as well as multiple players. Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, and then how about Mikhail Bridges, one of the guys coming from the Phoenix Suns, and listen to how he found out about his trade to the Nets. My boy Damian Lee, he was in a hotel, and he FaceTimed me, and you could tell he was upset, and he was just like, I'm sorry, like, I'm sorry about this and that, and I'm like, what are you talking about? He was like, you ain't see him, like, see what? He was like, you got traded. To, uh, to Brooklyn for KD. I was like, oh, man. Went to Twitter, saw it, and that's when I tweeted. And then my agents called me like a couple minutes later, and then that's how I found out. The agents called a couple minutes later. A little slow on the uptake there. Guess the agents weren't watching Twitter. Anyway, that's Mikhail on TNT because the Suns actually played on TNT. Uh, but he he ends up finding out from a teammate on FaceTime. And I don't know if you were with us last night or you saw the tweet, but this was his reaction as he finds out from Damian Lee, his reaction on Twitter, OMG, LOL. <laughs> it's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. When he joins the Nets, he brings 17 points and four rebounds per game. Great athleticism, good energy, and he's in his mid-20s. So they did not keep Jay Crowder. Jay is on his way to the Milwaukee Bucks, but they did keep Mikhail, and I, I hope that he fits in nicely. I like his game. I think he's a really strong role player and could seriously uh, see extra development. His former coach, Monty Williams, calls the addition of Kevin Durant to the Suns a jolt. Kevin is a um, he's the hardest worker I've been around. It's like Tim, Kevin, Patrick, guys that I've, I've watched um, over the years. Um, and there's other guys that are right there. But um, that was the thing that stood out to me. The love for the game, the approach to the game, um, you know, getting up early, staying late, like all of that stuff, even as a, you know, a young guy, star, superstar, whatever, he's he's always had that approach. And um, my time with him in, at USA Basketball and OKC was, you know, consistent in that regard.
I'm excited, man. I didn't know KD for a long time since uh, he was a camper at Five Star Basketball Camp. You know what I mean? And so he's one of the best players to ever play the game. I mean, his nickname Easy Money. You know what I mean? But just somebody who who loves the game like that. You know what I mean? I think that's what brought me and Book close together because he just loved a hoop and KD. He just loved a hoop. KD is is different, man. He's different, you know, and that's. That's uh, why he is who he is. He's been doing it in this league for a long time. After Coach Monty Williams, you hear his right-hand man, Chris Paul, who goes way back with Kevin Durant uh, and says he's just different. And that's true. He definitely is different. He wants to win. I know that in the NBA, in professional sports, very often the ends justify the means. But it doesn't mean that there are no consequences or that the people left behind, the people in the teams impacted, don't feel it. I get it. It's your career. Um, But there is no such thing as a move like this made in a vacuum. And KD and Kyrie, they were the ones that wanted to team up in Brooklyn. Then they were the ones that wanted out. And a lot of franchises were negatively impacted by their choices. Good for the Nets to be able to salvage something, though it's going to take them a while to to find a new direction and to move forward again. All right, can't wait. J.C. Treader, NFLPA president, next after hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio.